So, good morning, everybody. There's Roll With It by Oasis. It's Richard Boveson here on Radio Bath, right through till midday today. Always a weird ending, that one. So on a story to tell today, I've got Mark Jones coming in. He sat opposite me at the moment. We're going to chat very, very shortly. It's all about hypnotherapy today and about making things positive for 2024. So I thought it'd be a great one to start the year with. If you have any questions, email in at studio at radiobath.com or you can text Bath followed by your message to 80011. Plenty more fish in the sea Dry your eyes, mate I know you want to make her see How much this pain hurts But you've got to walk away now there's the streets and dry your eyes. It's Richard Bovesen here until midday today. So today on the story to tell, we have Mark Jones, who's a hypnotherapist, and he's here today to tell us all about what it, hypnotherapy is and how it can help you have a really positive 2024. So first of all, good morning, Mark. How are you? Good morning. Great to be here. Thank yeah. you. Now, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm disappointed today. I'm, oh. ga- I'm going to start off with some disappointments. <laughs> okay, so... So I'll, I'll lay my cards on the table. So I used to go and see Mark quite a lot and uh, f- thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was great. And I haven't seen him for a number of years. And every time I went to see him, he always wore the most amazing waistcoats. And he's turned up today with a scarf, which I have to say is stylish. OK, but no waistcoat. It's a bit looser nowadays. A bit <laughs> looser. I'm a little bit older. <laughs> <laughs> we, we discussed as well so i put a p- picture onto facebook um of mark and he said i'm a slight bit grayer now and i said i'm slightly grayer than when i last saw you as well <laughs> so, uh, time yeah. doesn't stop it doesn't does it so um now before we start I had a question from simon one of the co one of the co-founders of radio bath here and he asked are you going to put me to sleep today no this is the big misconception that's stage hypnotherapy okay so there's a difference between so what is hypnotherapy then tell us about that okay so hypnotherapy therapy is a very powerful psychological process that we can utilize to get the best out of ourselves it utilizes visualization and so as a hypnotherapist i create an environment where the client is relaxed and goes into what we call a rem state a rapid eye movement state where we overlay positive metaphoric language and that allows the brain to run things through before we physically do it so we can actually create a future in our mind before we actually do anything and we can run through the events what the outcomes are and so it's it's a really powerful uh, process that we can utilize so that we can run things through before we do it so people will be really scared about hypnotherapy, let's face it. I've spoken to a number of people saying, you're coming in today, and they said, I don't want to look like a chicken running around a stage. And that, that was their initial thought about what hypnotherapy was. Yes, it's basically, if we just understand what stage th- hypnotherapy or, or stage hypnosis is, yeah. it's a performance. And so the stage hypnotist is very clever at picking up on somebody within the audience that wants to perform. And with various cues and and touching of the shoulder, um, what he can do or she can do is manipulate that audience member to act because they don't want to let the crowd down. Very different to hypnotherapy, where we're moving towards a more positive uh, outcome. And another question that um, we 
get within our profession is, uh, if, if you're aware of the born identity, is that I'm going to um, turn you into a sleeper assassin. Hmm. And that doesn't happen. The Russians have been trying to do this for years and years and years. <laughs> we have a fail-safe mechanism in our brain that stops any negative reinforcement. So if that crosses our social boundaries of being an assassin, our brain will shut down. So I cannot program you to be an awful person. Okay. But you could program me to be a better person. Absolutely. And we all can. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Fabulous. So how did you get to kind of be who you are today then, Mark? It's been a strange journey. Um, my background is in engineering. Uh, I was an electronics engineer. And it got me in the 80s when I got into this. It was an exciting time of computers and and handheld games and there was this connection with technology and as i uh, went through my career i was learning more and more about why some people interacted with things like cars uh, and computers in a more positive way than others i then got led into um, uh, being a lighting designer and understanding the psychology of how lighting makes us feel safe makes us feel empowered and then ultimately got into smart home design where you create theater in your home as you create room sets and mood music and and the sort of feng shui of of, of, of feeling safe in your own home on top of that, I got into sales, and that introduced me into a whole new realm oh. of psychology. Sales is wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, it introduced me to a range of different people, incredible people, and maybe at the other end as well. Um, the, uh, the triad of dark traits, this very small proportion of, of the population, um, narcissistic, Machiavellian, and psychopathic, and they were the ones that I started to understand were causing the big problems in the world and getting us ghosting and, and gaslighting and, and causing problems. And there was this other group of people of which I am an engineer and I am part of is the more um, autistic side of people, about 15, 12 to 15%, who have a bit of social uncomfortableness, the way that their brain processes interaction. And it helped me understand how the world works, how politicians and crime. And in my early forties, uh, I wanted more. Life was leaving me a little bit empty. And I went down this rather incredible rabbit hole of learning about people. And uh, I did a load of research. I, I contacted loads of therapists and counselors on LinkedIn and through the internet and said, if I buy you a coffee, Will you tell me what you do? Okay. And um, it became very clear because of my problem solving as an engineer, you are trained to deal with problems. And if there are no problems, you try and find solutions to potential problems. And so I discovered that I wasn't a counsellor. A counsellor is someone where you tell the counsellor your story. And that's really important if you've never told your story before. Whereas... Being a psychotherapist and utilizing hypnotherapy is all about moving forward today and tomorrow because life is the living. Life should be simple. Life should be fun. And we can get caught up in our past. And if we're worrying about our past, we do not move forward. And so 
Ultimately, I got into uh, solution-focused psychotherapy or hypnotherapy, and years and years later, I still get up excited every morning because I don't know what I will find with my therapy room. I'm very privileged to work with amazing people. So what type of... So you do hypnotherapy for generally people. And whereabouts are you based, by the way, Mark? Uh, I'm based in Chippenham in Bumpers Farm. Lovely. And uh, so I have this... I work with lots of other therapists of different uh, flavours. So it's, it's a very lonely job being a therapist until you mix with others. So um, how I work is, if you want to move forward, um, if you want to talk about the past, I'm not that person if you want to move forward and get the most out of life whether you're you've had uh, depression whether you've had anxiety whether you've just lost your mojo i work with sports professionals um where they're not winning why is it that they're not winning um i work with people that just want to get more out of life and that's where modern psychology and the understanding of how the brain works now facilitates this movement forward up, up from freud up till probably the last 20 years we were very forensic in our analysis of why we're not moving forward why do we not take um, challenges why do we not take opportunities why do we self-sabotage why do we put on weight why do we smoke and it's very fascinating and, and, and freud really sort of opened up the uh, pandora's box of of why and up until recently, that was what we seeked. We now know through the way that the brain works and an analyzing how all the different parts of the brain um, processes is that actually if we start moving forward, the things that have been holding us back get left behind and they become unimportant. And that's the big change in the NHS is starting to move forward from forensic psychology to forward thinking psychology and that's really exciting as the more we know about the brain this opens up on a yearly basis new techniques and new understandings well we're going to delve more in the second part on the kind of the the brain and and how all that works um you mentioned there about quitting smoking losing weight what type of things can you help with then so we all have behaviors that we are ultimately in control of so smoking is a classic example overeating uh, drinking too much uh, or um, not going down the gym these are all behaviors that ultimately we as individuals choose to do and it's because we have and we'll go into the brain is that um, when we feel out of control we jump on something that we can control and that's where a lot of the um, psychotherapy can help us because we're all guilty of, of doing um, uh, uh, self-destructive behaviours, um, deciding that we're not going to go down the gym, it's a little bit rainy, so maybe tomorrow. And, and, and so as we move forward, um, we can start identifying when certain parts of our brain are kicking in and then we start upping our game and there are benefits to when we really step up. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just a question that somebody challenged me very recently about hypnotherapists. And they said, ah, but what training have they had? Are they a full counsellor? Are they a psychotherapist? Kind of what training do you have that kind of backs up all the theories that you have? OK, well, um, I'm I use hypnotherapy as part of a bigger picture. 
So it's a technique. I don't rely totally on hypnotherapy. I use lots of other powerful um, uh, psychological techniques, uh, including the miracle question, which mm. I know that you're uh, very particularly interested We're in. We're going to talk about that later. Yes. Um, so um, the training I took, it was down through, um, there was a Bristol-based company called the Clifton Practice, uh, very cutting edge in terms of pushing um, uh, the very latest in psychology. I trained down in, in uh, Plymouth, and it's a whole year of really perfecting your techniques. Um, one of the things that we do as uh, psychotherapists is that we don't leave footsteps. It's a lovely term. So because we don't delve into the past, we don't ruffle any emotional feathers because tomorrow hasn't happened yet so we create a better future so we don't cause problems and the training is uh you the more you do it the better you become the more confident you become um and so it, it, it's it's a continuous personal development i have to do courses on a yearly basis uh, i mix with other um, therapists I go to supervision where other therapists we all share our our successes and our challenges so again this appeals to my engineering side I never stop learning yeah and nor should you absolutely well, we're gonna have a little break for music when we come back we're gonna be finding out all about what the initial session is all about back with Mark after this So it's Richard Boverson here until midday. It's a story to tell. Mark Jones, hypnotherapist, on today. Uh, Dawn has messaged in, Mark, just to let you know. And she said, I had REM desensitization treatment for trauma. Uh, I won't say the word she's put. She said it was really amazing. Um, it, if it's similar, then I've just completely bumped up my view of hypnotherapy. Uh, yes, it is. Yes. There you go. So now referred to as EMDR, eye movement, desensitization and reprogramming. Yep. There we go. Yep. So, uh, so yeah. And uh, she's really excited by the fact that the NHS are taking it on board. So, uh, so yeah, thank you for that, which is all good. Right, so we're back now. So we're going to talk now about being happy. Yes, being <laughs> tell me, happy. Tell me about being happy, Mark. It's not rocket science, I will say this. So um, when somebody comes to me and they're not in necessarily a great place or they're a little bit lost, um, I normally give them a couple of minutes to tell me what's wrong because... We can spend, we get very comfortable with telling um, the world and ourselves how miserable life can be. So I'm very conscious that two minutes is more than enough because life is for living. Life should be fun. Life should be easy. And if it's not, we've somehow made a bit of a bit of a, we've complicated. So when a client comes in, I always start with this every single time. So We've um, worked out that there are about seven areas of happiness that uh, we should be looking at in order to have a content and uh, uh, life where we step up to challenges. So the seven areas um, are something that I want people to come away with thinking, actually, do you know what? I could do a little bit more on that. So um, shall I run through those seven areas? I was going to say you could run through. You could even ask me. 
what my status is, if you right. want. Right, okay. So this isn't prepared, by the way. This is, And <laughs> for those that weren't listening in the first part, I used to go and see Mark. So I've had this conversation with Mark. It was many, many years ago. And uh, he's helped me enormously and uh, still does on a daily basis, even though I don't see him anymore. Um, so, yeah, let's go for it. Let's, let's see where it is. So oh. What's it out of? Okay, so we use a scaling out of 10. It's okay. easy. 10 being the most positive and zero being at that other end. So one of the first areas of happiness that we need to consider think of these as spokes on a on a bicycle wheel and we can be great on six of those spokes and if we've got a little stubby spoke then we're cycling away through life and then clunk and that can start distorting so the first area very simple is positive thinking oh so happy people are very good at positively thinking about the past and just as importantly looking at the future so where are you on your happiness your positivity of, of thought positivity of thought okay so i turned 50 this year Congratulations. um thank you very much i've survived this long <laughs> and it's quite weird to say this year i've always been kind of happy saying it's next year but it's, it's now this year um business is going pretty good uh children seem all right uh yeah i think i'm in a pretty good place i'm gonna go for a nine a nine yeah quite high for the record i will never be a 10 until i'm on my deathbed because i haven't lived my life fully yet yeah so i didn't i don't want to sort of hem myself in so the next area of happiness is um positive um uh interaction why is this important well happy people need to interact and there's two main reasons for this if we look at inner city, say, gangs, they only interact with with their group. Now, when we mix with different groups of people, our work friends, and certainly with what you do, Richard, you're interviewing people. What happens is you tend to change your vocabulary for that audience. And that allows us a bit of a pause for how we present what's in our head to that audience. Now, again, if we go back to the inner city gangs, they will use a, uh, a reduced language that is only communicatable amongst their own. And so when they're describing if they're really happy, there's not too many words. Where A good example of this is at work, a colleague might go, how, is, how are you doing? Oh, you know, this same old, same old. Now, if the boss came to you and said, hi, guys, um, how's work? What will happen is you will put a more positive spin on it. Now, you're not lying. However, the different audience, i.e. your boss, means that you are looking in a slightly different part of the brain to say, actually, do you know what? No, it's fine. We're getting through this. Well, you know, I know things are busy. And so it's important that we mix with those different groups of people. Now, the other, the flip side of this, we get to hear other people's stories. Hmm. We get to hear their journeys. And what will happen is we will take away from that. Do you know what? I think I could do that. Or maybe it's something that um, isn't directly related to my life. Yet if they can do it, well, maybe I can. So in terms of interaction, doing what you do Mm. and uh, with all your, your various projects, give me a number out of 10. Well, again, I interact with enormous amounts of people. I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by a huge amount of crew who support me to the nth degree um so and again i i love doing all the radio stuff uh again speaking to yourself today and all the different people so again i'm, I'm going to go quite high on a nine excellent excellent I, it's it's not good enough just to say i interact at work because life is about our private life as well as our work life so if if, if say i'm very high on work and not so at home 
Well, again, that's something that I would recommend that you look at. Okay, so socially wise, I reckon, you know, in my workplace, interacting enormous amounts, socially, probably not as much as I could. So I'd say on a work basis, it's probably a nine. On a social level, maybe quite low on a four. Okay, that's a little bit lower than I would want you to be in Mm. terms of having a rounded life. Again, COVID encouraged us to step away. And it's taking quite a while for the population to get back into mm. the throw of things. So, OK, so number three on our seven yeah, list, I'll run through this, yep. is positive activity. Again, this is very important for, for our own happiness. There's two areas. is physical activity. We know that when we exercise, when we go for that walk, if we go to the gym, if we are eating healthy, our body functions better. Certainly with smartwatches that are appearing everywhere, completing your rings. Mm. Um, we know that this is key to long life and happiness. The other side of, of this area of happiness is is um, hobbies and pastimes. Happy people tend to have lots of things that they can go to depending on how they feel. So reading, listening to music, going to the cinema, painting, um, pottering around in the shed, doing the gardening. So happy people tend to have a wider smorgasbord of go-tos. If we rely on just the one thing and we can't do it, and I see this with a lot of uh, the um, uh, millennial um uh, clients that i have is gym is the one thing yeah and if they can't go for it they catastrophize they go oh my god all of the things that i've been doing this week because i can't go tonight um do you know what i don't know why i bother and and that's not uh that doesn't facilitate overall happiness life gets in the way so if you can't go to the gym do you know what go and watch a great movie mm. go and pick up a book go and listen to some music so on activity where would you say so on activity again i'd say last part of last year was lacking definitely um myself and my wife we actually had some dance practice in our little studio the other night which is the first time in months uh so we're, we're trying to be a little bit more positive this year um so yeah i'd, I'd probably say a seven okay a okay. seven there's cer- certain things i'd love to do more of that generally i just don't have the time for okay now that is an interesting one happy people make time hmm because actually, if you're doing the things that you enjoy, the things that you have to do become easier. Mm. So I say that this is one of the happy things that I do. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah. Excellent. So it's it's always a bit of a balance. It's always a bit of a balance. So number four on our list of happiness is um, confidence. Now, what we mean by confidence in terms of our own general well-being is how good are you at doing the things that you say you're going to do? So happy people are very productive. If they say that they're going to go and get their hair cut, they make sure that they do it. The other side of this is that happy people will set aside time to do nothing, to relax. Quite often I work with people that are struggling and they say, I used to read, Mm. but I don't have time for it. Well, actually... If you're more organized and you say you're going to do it, well, guess what? You're going to do it. Yeah. So on in terms of productivity, and I don't just mean doing things that you have to do, it's because you also do things that you want to do and get pleasure from. Where would you say on mm. the confidence scale there? Yeah, I'd, I'd say fairly middling. There's mm. definitely things I'd like to do more of that. Uh, but, I, you know, I do make time again for doing this and I, you know, 
do a variety of different things. Um, I play football every week and uh, try and do more of that. I'm trying to arrange a singing lesson, which I would try and do. Maybe we we'll do that as a miracle question later. Um, uh, so I'd probably say a seven again. Okay, that, that was interesting. What you were just saying, there was ticking other boxes as well. Hmm. Interaction, activity, and so forth. So a- again, when we are productive, we 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 pull with us these other areas of happiness. Um, so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. However, it can work the other way as well. Don't have time, then we start making goals, and then we just live for the day. Okay, Let's so keep going. Number five on our happiness uh, list is um strengths and resources now i love this there's two parts and the first part and again i never know what people will say the first part is how good are you at recognizing just how magnificent you are (laughs) (laughs) now you're laughing um interestingly uh, where I work with people that may have had perhaps uh, an older parent, maybe a military parent, that question is repellent. Okay. They they cowl. It, 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 it's, it, I will not blow my own trumpet. Yeah. Well, I had an incident recently, which uh, I, I shan't talk about on radio necessarily, <laughs> um, where I, I felt like... Uh, Let's just say my my opinion wasn't valued as much as I thought it should have been. So therefore, I stopped doing what I was doing. Oh. So therefore, I must have held myself in some esteem. Do you know what? Reflection and um, learning is part of this. It's not about being big-headed. Quite often when I work with people that are starting to build their confidence, they will actually then admit, do you know what? I'm actually... Uh, a pretty good person Hmm. one of the things that we can run away from and i would say this to uh the listeners look out for the word but Mm. because quite often in 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 today's language we will say something positive and then throw the word but so on that aspect and you can correct me if i'm wrong on this so um, i maybe if i picked it up from you it's possible but if somebody uses the word but in the middle of the sentence i discourage i discount everything they've said beforehand yeah they are not (laughs) taking ownership i i know i'm a good friend but yeah i could try harder so they're not really believing that they're a good friend because it's scary yeah so uh just look out for that ideally don't use the word but no say i am a good person put a full stop and start a new paragraph okay the other part of this area of happiness is the resources side so how good are you at recognizing all the people around you that love you care about you and value you as a friend or as a colleague and being able to ask for help when we're struggling in life what tends to happen is we go into a bit of a martyr do you know what i'll deal with this myself Uh, i don't need anyone else and so what we're not doing is getting different views different assistance happy people don't think twice they'll pick up the phone they'll message hey john um i've got this idea can we just meet up i just want to run it by you because you've had experience when we're struggling we inward face and we don't reach out and now we don't have perspective. So strengths and resources, that laugh at the start. So where yeah. are you? Where am I? Again, I, I do a lot. I, I require, I need a lot of people's help to run the dance business that I have. So I don't really have too many problems on that, I don't think. So I'd say probably about an eight. Excellent. That, that's a healthy score. We're almost there on this bit. Yeah. So six. It's one of my favorites. It's called Achievement. Happy people are very recognizing of their journey through life. So how I phrase it, and I use metaphor quite a lot, is to say, if I was to give you a pad of paper and a pen, how natural and easy would it be for you to write a story of your life so far? 
when we're in a good place, we can recognize the lessons that we've learned. We can recognize that perhaps we could have um, made better choices. On the back of that, we also recognize the successes and the learning and the ability to think, do you know what? I've had one heck of a journey. So if 10 was, let's call the publisher and zero, you've already lost the pen. Again, I I think I've had quite an interesting life. (laughs) Genuinely, I do. I've done so many different things throughout my life. Um, Some of it amazing. Some of it, you know, as always, you look back and wish you'd have made some different decisions. Life learning, of course. Um, But yeah, I'd say probably nine. Okay, Uh, great. And then we summarise it. The last thing on the happiness list is literally happiness. With all those other areas of happiness, happiness is not just about smiling and laughing. So when we look at the bigger picture of calm and focus and forward thinking and positive reflection and being productive and passionate about the things that we enjoy, that's what happiness is. So if we were to summarize all those points Mm. into a number. okay, I'm going to go an eight. That is a very healthy number. Yeah, I reckon I'm about there. Um, (laughs) Mark, you've explained that incredibly well. I'm guessing for a lot of people that are listening there, they almost feel like they're in one of your sessions, which is, it's like, like a massive group session for everybody. So we're all therapists, all therapists Uh, and a quick break, some music back with Mark Jones very shortly. talk very quickly with mark about the fact that how you look at people and how people think you look at them <laughs> come a bit closer to the microphone for me um, we'd, we'd love to hearing your dulcet tones okay so it's a, it's a question that everybody asks are you saying psychoanalyzing me and the reality is that we all psychoanalyze everybody we have a very small window when we see somebody in order to make a decision about how we interact with that person So one of the things that people say, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Well, the reality is quite often that's all we've got is the cover. So what tends to happen is we will see somebody and if they're looking maybe a little bit disheveled, maybe downward facing, uh, looking down at their feet, their shoulders rounded. What will happen is we can we can draw a conclusion from that to say that they may not be in a good place. Now, based on our relationship with that person, we will either use um, a a language that will say, hey, do you want to talk about it? You you don't seem in a great place. Or if we're not that familiar with that person, we will just say, "Okay, well, take care and I'll see you around. We have that classic thing of, you know, if you ask and I'm going to I'm going to use the phrase a British person. If you say, how are you? They're going to say fine and i've always been taught that you need to ask somebody three times to get the right answer well as a therapist i will never ask someone how they are and the reason is i don't know where they're at so if i give them the opportunity to tell me how miserable they are it reinforces their misery so i will say something like so what have you been up to okay what have you been doing it's been a long time since I saw you. Um, so uh, where are you at with your job? So I don't allow them to, to rest on the negative. 
So going back to that question, do I analyze somebody? Yes, I do. Probably more so than the average person, simply because in my therapy room, I have a very short time in order to build up a rapport so that that person is feeling safe and um, uh, can trust me so that we move forward. I have a friend that works within a, a forensic um, uh, side of things on the law enforcement. He works with the FBI. Now, he is always sensitive to the negative, the sensitivity. So he's probably a little bit more um, analytical than than myself is all about, you know, putting that smile on your face. Mm. Um, so it, it, it's we do this all the time. Yes, we can judge a book by its cover simply because subconsciously we all portray what we are feeling internally, subconsciously. Um, so if we are all shiny and our hair's car and um, uh, our, our clothes are looking uh, sort of pressed and we're just walking tall, then we project that confidence. Uh, one of the things that uh, comes up quite often is somebody will say, I put a mask on at work. Yeah. And that's so wrong. We've got it so wrong. Ironically, when we go to work, because we're getting paid and we're working with colleagues, Actually, that's the real us. Okay. Quite often when we get back in the car and we drive home to our partner or our family, this mask comes on. And this mask is what we refer to, um, well, I certainly refer to it as the chimp, and I know that mm. we're going to touch base on, 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 on this other part of the brain. So quite often we've got it about face. Actually, when we're at work, the real self glows and the real self um, steps up. It's it's quite often when we're in a long period of of, of 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 struggle that our family sees the chimp side of us, the the negative side, and that's the mask because it's not really us. No. Now I teach dancing, and just to let you know, I was talking to you earlier on, just off air, about how you've impacted not only my world but many other people's worlds as well. And we actually ask a question which you ask me every time that I used to go and see you. And I get people to ask this question to their partner when we very first start the night of what good things have happened to you over the last week. <laughs> and it starts the conversations off. And I've had people saying to me that they're quite scared of that question because they then have to start thinking about what good things have happened to them. And the, uh, my reasoning behind it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but those that come along weekly, they know that question is going to be asked. So they start thinking about it in the car and it might then put them in a good mood. It's very much that. And it's a really powerful technique. Um, ultimately, if we go into the science, and I come from a, a background of science, is what you're doing is you're forcing people to produce serotonin. Mm. Now, I know that a lot of your listeners are aware of what serotonin or have heard of serotonin. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter that we must produce and we can only produce it by the way that we think in order to get through life and to get so much out of life so already when you ask that question what is happening is you're turning on the floodgates of serotonin and what that individual is doing is accessing all the memory of the last dancing moves so that actually you are empowering that person to be the very best dancer in your classes yeah so it's very it, powerful. it creates an atmosphere which is absolutely fabulous well we're going to have a break for the news when we come back we are going to be talking all about the chimp with mark jones here with richard boveson on a story to tell right until midday today
Made You Look by Megan Trainer. It's Richard Bovesen here until midday today. On a story to tell, we've got Mark Jones, who is a hypnotherapist. We're now going to talk all about the brain, Mark. Oh, yes. So this yes. is what happens on the initial session, isn't it? Yes, it is. So what we've discovered in terms of, of, of how our brain works is that if we understand the fundamentals of, of, of how our brain processes stimuli, experiences and so forth, we find it really difficult to go backwards. So what we do in the therapy room is we will do a crash course in neuroscience. <laughs> and it is a crash course, isn't it? It is a crash course. So what happens is we uh, have a big picture of the brain and we describe the two different areas that were important. The brain is a very complicated process of electrochemical uh, reactions and signal sending. However, the way that it processes information and how we go through life is actually very, very simple. And in summary, we have two parts of our brain. If we look at the top part of our brain, our, our frontal cortex, we have this rather unique um, uh, ability to store facts. Now, on top of that, an, an evolutionary thing about three to 500,000 years ago, something happened, a, a, a mutation happened that created modern humans. And with modern humans, it allowed us to imagine, to think about things before we did it. Other mammals cannot do this. Only humans can. Now, when we are in a good place and we are focusing and imagining we're at work, we're doing our passions or we're just enjoying company, we are very much into this what we call the intellectual mind, where we have our logic and our common sense and our life experiences uh, combined with uh, our social uh, understanding and politeness. And we are very positive and problem solving. It's when we are at our very best. However, and this is the big butt so let's throw a line through that we have this other part this primitive part the limbic part of the brain that we do share with other creatures and this is our um our uh, our fight flight freeze part of our brain which will always step in when we are feeling in danger now if you think about this part of the brain holds a big filing cabinet of fears or maybe risk assessments these risks don't have to be real we watch something or somebody's told us something we could quite possibly put that in the filing cabinet so as we go through life if for one reason or another we come across something that's similar or exactly like those fears our uh, what we call our health and safety officer will step in and try and protect us now we don't know what's in our um uh filing cabinet until we experience it and that's one of the things when i work with people with ptsd they don't know what they put in there at that moment of incident until something similar is um exposed to them now because of that what happens is that common sense part of the brain gets shut down when we are in a state of threat a state of fear and then we go into a behavior which um there isn't that many behaviours. Fight, flight, freeze, run away, do nothing, or become aggressive is certainly what, if you're a cat owner, you will know that those three behaviours are the pantomime behaviours of a cat. On top of that, we then have other things like eating, comfort food. When we're feeling a bit low, what will we do? Perhaps reach for a chocolate bar. It makes us feel safe. Smoking, um, maybe having a cold beer on a, on a hot, sunny day 
things that we are in control of ourselves. So when we go back to happiness, because if happiness is is within our remit, then we will deal with life. What happens is that we will challenge those fears. So one of the things as a therapist, and I know very well when my primitive part of my brain or what we refer to as our chimp part of our brain steps in, I know that maybe my fears are starting to build up. I'm uh, generally quite a shy person and I know that my fears were building up this morning. I was going to say, when you came in today, we, we spoke about this, didn't we? You came in and you were like, my chimp is fully in control right now. Oh, yes. And how did you then manage that? You very kindly talked me through, explained the science behind all the all the buttons and so forth. And slowly my chimp was stepping down. There was no threat in my life. And now I'm actually recalling from what I'm passionate about, which is psychology. So when we are in a good place, what happens is there's this wonderful saying that I, that I uh, now put into every session is feel the fear and do it anyway. Now, what happens is when we are being brave, we will make a decision that will do something and then we'll review the consequences. If we have not died, what happens is the health and safety officer will look at all the risk assessments or fear templates in that filing cabinet and say, well, this is no longer relevant. Or they'll refine it to a very specific fear so that next time that general fear won't kick in because we've refined it. So I do little things every single day. So it could be uh, I'm a great coffee shop kind of guy. I find um, coffee shops a very safe space where I can just watch the world and relax and read a book. So quite often... Uh, a barista will say, would you like to try our new seasonal roast? Now, if I'm not in a great place... Does he do it in that voice, by the way? <laughs> probably. Well, actually, yes. The sort of places that I... Can you, can you come close <laughs> to the microphone just for the, just for the listening public? Again, okay, just say that phrase in, in your lovely Mark Jones voice again. Can I just interest you in our new seasonal blend? I think um, I'll have to cut that out. <laughs> So what will happen is my chimp will step in and go, no, 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 stick with what you know. However, my intellectual part of my brain, my grown-up adult brain, will say, hold on, we don't know what this is going to taste like. So I will say yes. Now, I may not like the taste of that roast. It doesn't matter. What I've done is I've proved to my health and safety officer that actually trying new things doesn't kick in uh, a fear of, 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 of harm. So I may have a very specific fear of that roast. I will never have a Christmas roast from Nero's ever again. Actually, I do like that roast. Um, so what I've done is refined it. The other thing that happens, and we're not aware of this, is any other fears associated similar will be thrown away too or refined. So every day I try and do something brave. I will put on a different shirt, a different T-shirt, a colour. I'll go into a shop and try something on that I wouldn't normally wear. I will listen to music that's out of my comfort zone. I'll watch a movie on the streaming services that somebody's recommended and I've convinced myself, i.e. my chimp, has said, no, you won't like it. Mm. And I'll, I'll work through it. Now, I still may not like the film. However, I've refined it to certain maybe a black and white um, uh, subtitled film from the 1940s. So I'll be very specific about not necessarily liking that genre. What I'm doing is every day just being a little bit brave. And that's how we tame our chimp. 
Fabulous. So I had a scenario the other day where my my eldest, uh, who's studying film and creative writing at Birmingham University, uh, he challenged me to watch a 1964 Czechoslovakian black and white, or it wasn't black and white, colour film that had subtitles on it. And he said it's one of the best films he's ever seen. I've got about 10 minutes through it, if I'm honest. And it's it, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that actually incorporates a number of different elements of how we process that. So, what will happen is we will have a fear template of something that we are not familiar with. So there's an instant flight response to that. Now, the intellectual part of the brain will pick up on the passion that somebody says you must listen to it. Now, for a little bit sort of a little bit princessy, we might go, well, don't tell me what to listen to. Mm. And that's actually a flight response of the of the chimp part of the brain. So what tends to happen is we're always battling. We're always fighting against our health and safety officer to save us, even though it's not life or death. And so what was happening with you, your tolerance of that was you weren't prepared for it. Uh, you weren't in the you weren't in your intellectual part of your mind you're very much in your chimp part of of your mind you humored your son yeah and then you thought do you know what i'm out of here (laughs) and 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 that's that's something that we do all the time we will run away from things the flight response is very good certainly in today's society where we can hide behind social media or texts so we don't have to do face to face and it's if we recognize it what is actually happening is we are refining the triggers next time. And hindsight is when our chimp makes a decision and our intellect reviews that situation and goes, yeah, maybe. And so next time when um, uh, that comes up, what will happen is you will probably be more braver. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do want to try and watch some of the different films that, that he's recommending because they're bizarre, but it might be quite interesting. And it comes from a place of passion. Mm he's he's very much he's picking up on something when we look at a painting on the wall we're not necessarily just looking at the colors and the brush strokes what we're actually experiencing when we really understand art and it can be the same for books and poetry and uh, architecture is what was what was the uh, underlying uh, journey that the um the artist was trying to create yeah some of our favorite songs are by singers that are quite poor at singing it doesn't matter it's that journey it's how it makes us feel okay so just as a kind of a concluding this part then so am i right in thinking there's like three parts of the brain and can you be like in the chimp part and the intellectual part at the same time nope okay nope you flip between the two so if we take love for example love is when when we first meet somebody um we aesthetically may uh, be really drawn or maybe academically or intelligently or humor whatever it is now unless we are in our first ever relationship that puppy dog love we have fear templates of not wanting to be hurt so what happens is when we meet someone that really sort of uh, stirs us up what is happening is um you know that butterflies in the stomach mm maybe going on that first date or the second date. Those butterflies are actually a production of cortisol, which we produce when we are in a fight-flight response. So the cortisol makes us very alert, and it gives us that sort of funny feeling in our tummy. Um, So what is happening is our chimp is saying, run away. Right. You're not going to get hurt. I'm going to protect you. Yet the intellectual part of the brain is saying, well, hold on. (laughs) 
I see I'm going to be brave and see where this goes. And so there's always a battle between um, our, our chimp part of our brain telling us to run away and our intellect saying the idea of having a utopian life is our brains cannot work in a utopia. We need to be challenged. If we don't challenge ourselves, what happens in the background, that filing cabinet of fears starts building based on assumptions. And we all know what assumptions are. Indeed. And an ASS out of you and me. <laughs> well, when we come back, we're going to find out all about what actually happens in a session and possibly even get on to the miracle question too. Back with Mark after this. The Nursery Hilberton, proud sponsor of The Morning Show. Alanis Morissette and hand in my pocket I saw her in Hyde Park once she was incredible she really was second album was dreadful though right I'm here with Mark Jones hypnotherapist uh, Dawn Green has put a message onto Facebook she's saying possibly I'm taking your comment slightly out, slightly out of context the instinctive I'm not doing that response is often an ADHD trait rather than princessy okay yes and, and that's a fair comment so we know that whatever is kicking us into our chimp mode is not helpful if we are not facing life and death. So the reason why I use a bit of a, a, a princess, if you picture uh, a young child stamping their feet, I'm not going to do that. That's pretty much how our chimp behaves. And so we must treat our chimp when it's not in life and death decisions with a little bit of contempt it's our inner child our inner child doesn't want to eat um its greens our inner child just wants the pudding and so when that part of our brain is kicking in and it's not in life and death we need to step away from it and treat it for what it actually is it's it's wanting us it, it's the child saying run away so regardless of the stimuli if we then find ourselves in our chimp then it's not going to do us any favours. And so by recognising that, we take back um, uh, intellectual control and we're now applying maybe techniques that we've, that we've learned. Um, we are rationalising the situation and now we're back into being ourselves again. So I, 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 I do apologise if, if, if that seemed a little bit rough. However, the chimp is there to help us. However, if it steps in when we're not in any danger, then we should treat it with the contempt that it deserves. That's not us being us. Okay, got a question from Dot. Okay, I'm going to try and read it without my glasses, which is always quite fun on this computer screen. So she says, as you know, weight loss has been the soundtrack of my life and I can't remember a time I have not been trying to lose weight. I can go for weeks doing really well, but then I will sabotage it. Why do I keep repeating the sabotage behavior and how can i reverse it so i can succeed a great question okay so the reaching for food maybe the biscuits or eating more than you would normally do is because it's a response to the chimp seeing a threat if we have low self-esteem if we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see what can happen is our chimp can convince us that it's not worth it you might as well finish off the packet of biscuits now overlaying the weight loss and it's it's something that i get certainly at this time of year is that when we are in a good place 
when we are feeling intellectually strong and happy and content, our stomach has a very clear signal to tell our brain enough is enough. If we go back to evolution, if we are being hunted by maybe uh, other tribes or uh, by uh, wild animals and we see food, what happens is we are in a threatening situation and we send a signal to our stomach to say, load up on the calories. I'm going to ignore any signals that says I'm full so that we because we don't know when we're going to eat again. So happy people are biologically um, unable to eat lots of food because their stomach is sending the signal. So when I work with weight loss, it's not about the actual eating less. It's about becoming happy. When we're happy, we will be more mindful about what we need to eat uh, in terms of, of, of nutrients, enjoying food. Hmm. I don't want people to stop eating. I want people to enjoy eating. And quite often, if we're eating maybe high calorific, high carb, high fat um, foods, if it's not a treat, it's because our chimp is telling us that we will feel safe eating it. And then the reflection is, I feel worse. So it's a bit of a cycle. So we break that cycle by changing the way that our brain controls our body and how we process. If we think we are uh, deserving of being healthy, then we will make better decisions. Amazing. Now, if anybody does want to come and see you, how, how can they get in contact with you, Mark? Um, well, they can go onto my website, um, Mark. Uh, jonesconsultancy.com and just drop me a line i work in um uh, chippenham um i work throughout the days and the evenings um and i'm passionate about my job one of the big questions is how many times do i see well what we do certainly in this country is not it's brief therapy most people only see me maybe six to 10 times maximum and quite often people will come back maybe in a year's time just to ensure that their chimp isn't taking mm. control so you don't really need to see me many times because my job is to empower you and i give you all the psychology as well <laughs> so not only are you managing your own chimp you're managing other people's chimp and that's so life-changing that that definitely is it's definitely helped me i say in being a dance teacher being able to help people see through their chimps almost and then get them back into a place uh has definitely helped an enormous amount of people now for me being a dance teacher i know that i've made an enhanced other people's lives because they've gone away happier which is nice and for yourself it must be a nice feeling to know that you've had that impact on so many other people because they have impact on other people again it's it's making a difference. I think my, my motivation is that I feel very privileged to work with people and see the very best of them. I don't focus on their chimp. I get them to be their real selves. And I have been astounded how even the most anxious or depressed person has thrived and grown and flown in life. It's the best job in the world. It is. Well, we're going to find out all about what the initial session or the normal therapy session and the miracle question is right after this. You came into my life like a hurricane Blowing all the grief away like a stone with Mark Jones. It's Richard Bovis on here until midday today with Mark Jones. He's a hypnotherapist. And we're going to talk about what happens in a typical session then, Mark. Talk us through it. Okay, so 
once we've understood how the brain works and I let that gestate with um, my clients so that they're thinking about it, it's slowly processing. What happens is they come in and see me uh, for the next session, which is only an hour because we don't need any longer than that. And just like you do with your um, uh, dancing uh, class is, so tell me, what's been great? And they go, ooh, um, I don't know really. Okay, what is what have you coped with? Oh, um, I've got through work. It was quite tough. And then what happens is it starts leading. So what I'm actually doing is I'm getting them to produce serotonin. So even if it's a... Um, a, a neutral question they have to delve into their intellectual part of their brain and now they're turning on the floodgates to serotonin and quite often what will happen is uh, maybe they um, um, maybe they've been drinking a little bit too much so we go through what's been great what else has been great oh you know i met up with friends and then 20 minutes into the session they go i don't know why i didn't say it um I, I haven't drunk i haven't i haven't touched a little uh, any alcohol because what they're doing is they're moving on with life. Before, when they first came to me, it was all about the drink. And now they're getting on with life. And life is fun. Life should be enjoyable. So I've now flooded the client with serotonin. So they're feeling very positive. I've got them. Their, their, their chimp part of their brain has been stood down. And I'm seeing the best of them. They are glowing. Their body language is different. Their eyes are um, more relaxed. Their shoulders are back. They're using a lot more um, sort of body language to express how passionate they are. And then what happens is I will always ask them, out of 10, where's their happiness? And they go, oh, you know, probably a six. And I'll always reference back um internally as to what they were last time so it could it's going to say you have it on the laptop don't you have all the different levels um yes there is uh, it's it, technology is moving okay. technology is moving so it's a little bit different from the is last it? time yeah so a while since i saw you yes so um basically they give me a reference point so then we do this really powerful and i still get excited my tail is wagging so we use this thing called the miracle question oh yeah go on so this is a really powerful focusing uh, exercise and i use this you can you can use different language however i'm i i try and keep consistency with my clients and i will ask them about what their rest of their day is or oh, you know i'm going to meet up with a friend and, and maybe go to the gym or um uh, cook a meal and i say right i want you to picture getting into bed tonight and just reflecting on all the positive things that you've done today and just pat yourself on your back all the challenges, all of the successes, so that when you go to bed, your head's full of serotonin. Now, between now and tomorrow morning, when you wake up, I want you to picture that a miracle has happened. Now, we don't need to know why this happens. We don't need to know how it happens because it's not important. Yet, when you wake up tomorrow, something has changed. Your life has got better. You've gone from a six to a seven in happiness. Now, this goal, and I always ask in the first session, where are we going with all this? If you were to cross the finishing line of, of coming to see me, what would it look like? So they, they may have lack of confidence. And so their goal, the banner across their finishing line is to walk tall, to be proud of who I am. So I'll, again, I'll use their language. So if you were to wake up tomorrow morning feeling happier and feeling more confident over this next week, seven days, I never work beyond seven days. Seven days is manageable. 
if it's longer than that, we can we can lose ourselves and, and, and defer. So in the next seven days, what would be different? How will perhaps um, your wife know or your husband know that you were more confident? Is it the way that you think? Is it the way that you behave? Is it something you need to do that's been niggling away in the back of your mind? Do you know what? I need to do this. Or is it something that you want to do, that you've been putting off, you haven't felt that you were deserving enough. So what will be that change? And so somebody will say, well, I'll be a little bit more positive. Now, because we, as the therapist, this is the skill, is that we identify character types. We, uh, certainly within my profession, there's a wonderful book called Warriors, Settlers and Nomads by Terence Watts. It's a really simple book. I come from a corporate background where the Myers-Briggs personality profiling is horribly complex. We haven't got that time in the therapy room. Whereas this is a wonderful, the three major traits of behaviour, warrior, settler and nomad. And so based on that, I will be more confident. Okay, so if you were more confident, what would I pick up on? Well, I'd, I'd be looking at people maybe in the face a little bit more okay what about uh, what about your body language well i i wouldn't be stooped perhaps i'd maybe you know what would you be wearing well probably i'd iron my shirt or or um wear, wearing a jumper i got for my birthday um so what we're doing is we're eliciting the detail of that confidence it's a very small thing another a good example is um i'm going to be more organized now if we are a uh, nomad personality we're very artistic we're very much about the bigger picture so what i would do is if you're being more organized what would that be i'd be writing a list so with a with a nomad personality an artistic personality what would you be writing on well beautiful pad would the pad have lines would it be blank Ooh, um, now they're visualizing because writing list is a million miles from actually doing it for that personality type and what pen what pen would you be? Have you got a pen? Do you know what? I'd buy a new pen. Now, I would never do that with a warrior. A warrior would use any old pad and a um, uh, maybe their computer or a big pen that's in their in their bag. I wouldn't go to that detail. What I would do is I would ask the warrior and 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 going forward how would you ensure that you were on top of everything and they go well i need to actually adapt um microsoft office as part of my organization too far from somebody that's a nomad that would scare them to death yeah just writing beautiful um text maybe with an ink pen on a beautiful hand hand uh, made notebook that's enough for somebody who is quite artistic to be organized the reality is we're a little bit of everything. We have a dominant trait. Settlers, they are the homemakers. They're the ones that you rely on to get things done. Okay, so we've got all our different traits. They've, got, they've been set up. How does a miracle question work then? So what happens is we go through, we, as the therapist, I will elicit the detail of how that miracle um, answer is. I'm going to be more confident. How would I know that? my my language would be better it's worth mentioning that when we're in our chimp we have about a thousand words that we can use quite often anglo-saxon words i might add whereas when we are in our intellectual part of our brain we're on top of life we have about 30 to fifty thousand words that we can express how we are feeling one of the biggest problems with young children is they don't have the vocabulary to explain how they feel and they get very frustrated and you see the tantrum you see the um oh i don't know and as a good parent you give or that with 
school they give you the vocabulary to create those little nuances and how they feel once we've got elicited the detail necessary with their personality type and when over this next seven days we're going to see this more confident person and the reason i ask the time is our brain is very good once we have committed to a time intellectually not when we're in our chimp we will adhere to it our brain is very very good Mm. so they'll say um at the weekend so saturday sunday probably saturday and again i won't do it with a warrior uh if i'm doing somebody that's a little bit sort of uh, nomadic artistic would it be in the morning or in the afternoon would you be going with somebody when you if, if, if you're getting your hair cut for example um do you need to book something in so and then we finish it and then okay so let's go on the bed and let's do the hypnosis and the hypnosis just very quickly because we're sadly running out of time um you just lay on the bed and just go into hypnosis okay so hypnosis is effectively turbocharged REM sleep REM sleep is when we go into uh, a sleep like state uh, predominantly at night although laying on the beach watching a movie going on the motorway going for a walk running on the treadmill we go into a form of REM and it allows the subconscious we're not conscious about this of processing stuff that is emotional and moving into our library when you're a student you you learn something um, from your textbooks it goes into your emotional memory the limbic part and we then need to move it into your library now it's a fact if it doesn't move it's emotional and cause you stress so REM is a wonderful environment to actually move that stuff on top of that this is where the hypnosis comes in is that I overlay it with nice gentle music and positive reinforcement metaphoric stories there was once this village I remember this. <laughs> Let's <laughs> not go it now because we'll, we'll all go to sleep. <laughs> and, and that creates the perfect environment for our brain subconsciously to process stuff, to run through things uh, before we do it and have a better future. And that is modern psychology. It's amazing. And you walk out of the sessions, I'll let you know, feeling amazing. Now, you've chosen the next track, haven't you? In- introduce it for us, Mark. Okay, so this is for all middle-aged, um, predominantly men, I will add, uh, that enjoyed mid-80s prog rock. This is It Bites and Calling All the Heroes. We're back. There we go. <laughs> Having a quick chat with Mark <laughs> off there then. Right. We're on to the quick fire round then, Mark. Yikes. Okay. So this is where your chim's kicking in, isn't it? It is indeed. Because you don't know this bit. I've told you the first question. Everybody knows what the first question is. Outside of that, you've no idea. So no. it's quite scary for you. You're not in control anymore. I did chat to Mark on the very first part saying it's quite weird because when I've been to see you before, obviously you're the one asking me the questions and I'm talking. Whereas today <laughs> I've been asking you the questions and you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> so first question what is your favorite ice cream it's got to be rum and raisin oh okay a rum and raisin person it brings me back to those holidays in cornwall ah so it's the memory side it, of it. is very much the memory okay. and a little bit naughty because it had rum in it oh although i don't think it had rum in it no a little bit bit like shandy bass um 
Pop. <laughs> and Coca-Cola. <laughs> They're slightly different, but yes. <laughs> Not now. All right. Are you tidy or messy? Um, as I've got older, I'm aware that if I am messy, it's my chimp. Okay. So I am becoming more and more organised. I suppose in some ways I'm becoming more um, simple in my life. So I'm a lot less complicated in terms of what is important and surrounding me. So uh, I would say I, 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 any any ex-partners would say I am horrendously messy. Okay. However, I think I am uh, pretty good, certainly for a chap. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, love or hate roller coasters? Now that's a... That's a real paradox because um, the whole point of a roller coaster is to get your chimp absolutely screaming. However, because I am an engineer, I know that the roller coaster has been built with mm. serious welds and um, uh, bearings and been tested within an nth of its, its capabilities. So I enjoy roller coasters however i'm a little bit sort of passive because i know that it's not designed to kill me okay so enough. muted excitement <laughs> now quite i'm just looking down my questions here a lot of these are quite psychological questions so no doubt you're going to read into them what i've actually designed them for so the next the next one is very very simple uh, do you hang your toilet roll over the front or behind the back over the front there's only one way <laughs> because otherwise you're fumbling away against the wall it, you are yeah <laughs> It's a no-brainer. It is a no-brainer. Now, the follow-up question to that is, if you go to somebody else's house and they've hung it round the back, do you change it round? Yes. <laughs> I, I've i never thought about it. However, I do. I think because when I was a sales rep, I used to go to a lot of hotels and the toilet roll was always folded in a fancy yeah, the triangle. triangle. Um, and so that just made perfect sense to me. Yeah, it is. Although it's quite difficult to use a triangle in the appropriate way. But let's move <laughs> on from that moment. Uh, do you eat your chocolate from the fridge or from the cupboard? I am a fridge kind of guy. I like the crack of the cold chocolate. It means that I've got a throttle on especially a Toblerone, which if you um, are uh, really scoffing it down, will stab you in the face or in the roof of the mouth. It mat. does, doesn't it? You're right. I just thought about that. So I'm very much a, 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 a fridge chocolate guy. So will it make you eat the chocolate slower then if you eat it from the fridge? Yes. Yes. I can savour it more because I enjoy the melting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not a sweet tooth kind of guy. No. So um, I, I'm fairly ambivalent. However, if I have been given chocolate and my daughters gave me chocolate, I would put it in the fridge. Fair enough. Uh, I think I know the answer to this. Do you make your bed in the morning? I do. I do. You had to think, though, didn't you? Maybe my idea of making a bed is different to maybe uh, uh, some people that have shared my life. <laughs> they tend to have the um, uh, sheet under the duvet. So you have to use the sheet. I don't... I, I'm a lazy man. Right. So, um, yeah, I just sort of... As long as the duvet is sort of fairly flat... Okay. I'm done. And the follow-up question to that is, do you have any cushions on your bed outside of the pillows? I do. Do you? Okay. Only one. Right. So when I'm reading my Kindle or, or watch something, I, it just props my neck. Okay. So, yeah, I, I do get it. I, I Again, I've been in... Uh, uh, situations where it probably took about three minutes to remove the throw <laughs> pillows from the bed 
Yeah, we now have the scenario. We have six cushions on our bed, which I've said many times. And we now have the scenario where we have another throw on top of the bed as well, just in case the cat sleeps on there during the day. So we can then get rid of that so that we don't have the cat hairs on. So the bed has now got an extra part of making again. I feel it's quite complicated. Oh, it takes me about 20 minutes to make the bed in the morning. But there we go. Uh, what is your favourite breakfast? My favourite breakfast? I I uh, I made a decision a year ago to really look after my health. I'm 53, so I'm, I'm at that age where stuff happens. So I embarked on the Fast 800, that Michael Mosley fasting. Okay. And so I will have um, two eggs, olive oil, and um, uh, pesto sauce. Right. With a little sprinkling of cheese, and that will be my breath. My mouth is watering. <laughs> so I, I actually cook every breakfast except uh, two days when I'm on a fasting day. Right. And I won't eat until lunch. So that eggs and pesto. Eggs and pesto. So I had, uh, so I'm vegetarian. So I had some vegetarian duck, which is quite weird for a lot of people. Yeah, I've aware tried that. that. And it was really nice. Uh, with some spinach in an omelette, effectively, Ooh. with some chili absolutely so that was my breakfast yesterday i'd go for that so yeah that was uh, that was right and amazingly if you get frozen spinach just three of the little bundles are effectively a bag of spinach is it really so, yeah it's quite quite a lot but uh, there we go right what is your go-to karaoke song um well talking about the chimp karaoke is my utter i have a friend that is very out there and if we go anywhere with uh, karaoke, he is straight up there, and my heart is beating ten to the dozen. Yeah. Um, so actually, I, I'm sweating now. <laughs> I'm sweating now. Karaoke is not a thing. Okay. Um, so I would. All of it is horrifying. Okay. I, I have so nothing. you just wouldn't do it. No. Fair enough. No. I won't ask you to do a rendition now. Then. No. Um, <laughs> nice and quickly. Favorite TV program or film? Ooh. I would say up up until recently it was something like True Detective. I like the smouldering conflicts. I'm a DC Comics kind of guy, okay. um, so I like a lot of psychology. Um, however, I've been watching Reacher. Oh yeah, the Jack Reacher. It is terrible but great. Um, the, the the new one they've got is autism because. Um, uh, Jack Reacher is autistic. Okay, I didn't realise that. Oh, he's emotionally stunted. That's why he's always awkward. And they've got it just right. Yeah. Very analytical, um, very thorough, which is what you want in an investigator. However, he's horribly awkward around people's feelings. And yeah. It's, it's, they've got it right. No, he is brilliant. Two questions to go then, Mark. Here we go. If you came back in your next life as an animal... Which one would it be and why? It's got to be a cat. I knew you were going to say oh, a cat. You mentioned a cat earlier, absolutely. so I knew you were going there. Sleep 16 to 18 hours a day, worry about um, food, uh, having a poop, and just sort of doing nothing. Um, yet that weird moment, probably at sort of one in the morning, where they run around the house like a lunatic. Yeah. That would be my that would be my feel free feel the fear and do it anyway moments. Yeah. So yeah. Got to be a cat. Has to be a cat. It's the most popular answer. Yeah. Now, I think you'll like this question. It's your last question, Mark Jones, hypnotherapist. Where is your happy place? My happy place, I would say it's got to be a coffee shop. Okay. Um, I, I, coffee shop, well, I did all my study in a coffee shop. If I need to really produce something, I need people around me. I'm not a quiet room kind of guy. So I will find the busiest coffee shop in Bath. And I will uh, uh, get out my laptop and I will sit there and feed off people's energy, watch the wonderful people around here and just be at my very best. 
it also uh, Starbucks, the guy that started Starbucks, um, his reason for starting Starbucks, which was unique as a coffee shop, was it was a, he wanted to create a safe space between home and work. And something about it resonated with me. I always felt that I shouldn't spend too, uh, too long in a coffee shop. And when I read that, I thought, no. This is my safe space. The coffee shop is the place for you. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for coming in today. We've sadly run out of time. I'm going to get you back in. That's inevitable. Uh, Have you enjoyed it? It's been... I've challenged my chimp. I've lost no toes and fingers. 